This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, Greg picked the movie, and the movie is The Subpar. I think you said that wrong. I did? Yeah, it's The Super. I stand behind what I said. So this is actually episode number 10. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to come in strong with the corrections department and that is the first one. This and is the 10th episode, not our brain candy episode. This is the real one. We watched The Super starring Joe Pesci this week and I would like to say, I'm sorry. No, no. If any of you watched this movie, this is our first, my first screw up ever. Your first screw up ever? <laughs> ever. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, it was my first screw up that day. I I beg to differ. I remember this movie, but we're not even going to get into that. No, no, not even that. Not even that. I was going to say because I was going to go into some the corrections department, but I will let you finish. So, no, no, hit me with the corrections department. Well, the corrections department was yes. First of all, our brain candy episode was not the tenth episode. This is the that this is the real tenth episode. That's why I said that for all you true fans. That's why I said that. I know that's why you said that. Right. However, they there got are it. there are still some errors that need to be pointed out from last. Oh, okay. Well, let's episode. talk about that. Okay. Well, first of all, I kept saying the Canadian Broadcasting System, and that was incorrect. It's, it's the, the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Corporation. Yes. Company corporation. Yeah. So what's a few letters? Screwed up that. But you made some errors too. I did not. Yes, you did. Can't we talk about the super? Yeah, we can talk about the super. (laughs) But you must you must con have acts of contrition. Acts of contrition. Yeah, yeah. So tell me what I did wrong. You you said you pointed you even pointed it out. Don't I don't have to tell you what you did wrong. You know what you did. No, you know what I did. I don't care what I did. Um, you, you, there was a slight, and my error for not even catching it when you said it, but when you said that Sky, Rise of Skywalker made 30000 in, in Independence Day, had made $300,000. <laughs> 300, it was $300 million. million. Yeah. yeah, it made $300,000 in the first minute. Sometimes I don't catch that I'm saying something because I know that I talk too fast and I get, I get super excited because I'm having so much fun. I'm sure that everybody that was listening to us was smart enough to say, no, I'm sure Independence Day made more than $300,000. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure about it, too. And, and I catch myself when I'm listening to the episodes going, damn, that wasn't right. So so this is the first week that um, we have had each other watch a movie where we recommended it that uh, the person that recommended it realized that there's really no reason that anybody should <laughs> like this movie. <laughs> um Oh boy! Regret? Yeah. Do you feel regret? I do a little bit. I do a little mm-hmm. bit. First of all, we'll start off with: Did you like this movie? Well, let me let me um, answer a question with a question. No. Yes. No. It's well. No, we got to do it right, baby. Why'd you pick this movie? I picked this movie because I remember watching this movie back in the '90s and just enjoying it. Okay. I think it was a movie that I actually owned on VHS, 
and there were like some times back then where I didn't have you know a lot of money and stuff, so I would watch a lot of movies on loops or whatever. And I, I, this was just one of them, I guess, for some reason. I remembered it being a lot better than it is. Yeah. And I don't know why. Maybe because it was, I don't know, I was younger. I, I was, I, you know, wasn't really watching it to watch it. I just kind of background, I, I don't know, but. Okay. All right. Did you like this movie? Did I like this movie? I'm, I'm going to go with the strong meh. Yeah. See, that's how I felt about it afterwards. I, I, I mean, it had its moments that made me laugh. I, I, I. I I would not buy this movie. I would not pay to see this mm-hmm. movie again. If right. somebody gave it to me, I wouldn't be like, "Why are you giving me this pile of garbage?" I mean, um, you know, we're going to get into it. I feel like my opinion of the movie sits right around where most people, uh, the average, sits. Right. So you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. I you know, I I kind of feel that this. I wish I had seen this movie when it did come out because I think some people felt differently about this, like you you did during that time and i think it may be because uh joe pesci was a relatively i don't want to say fresh face because he always looks you know middle-aged no matter what movie he's in um but maybe a little bit more open to the comedy in it i think there are certain parts of what this movie is and how and the tone that it sets as a wacky goofy slapstick comedy that the darker parts of it, um, like you know, some of the racist name calling and, and things like that, are very uncomfortable in this day and age. Where in the nineties, it's still bad, but it's you know. See, I didn't I didn't find it uncomfortable at all because it was. I mean, you don't call people that, but they literally were doing that just to show. Yeah, just to show that they were they were not good people to start off with, and the one line where um, Vincent Gardenia, I think. And, and again, we're going to say stuff from the movie. We're not using yeah. these terms. Yeah. I think he calls them kookaburras. I think so, or too. Or something like that. And he Let's says, just say chupacabra because yeah, he, <laughs> he says, it was It was just so funny because he says, you know, so what? Who, you know, what, who's going to care about them? And the next scene immediately, close-ups on the face of a black female judge who is literally the worst target audience he could have gotten to, to make the rules on it. All right, so I'm going to go uh, go with the flow and get the synopsis going on this before we talk any further. So let's start it. A bereaved former cop takes a job as a superintendent in a huge New York apartment building. His tenants begin to vanish. Oh, oh wait a minute. Wait. Wait. That's the super from 2018 with Val Kilmer. Yeah, a movie that nobody knows about. No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even know there was another movie named The Super okay. until we started doing research on this. All right, so so let me try this again, okay? All right. Joe Gorilli, the Italian-American superintendent of an apartment building in the lower middle class section of New York City, is a big man who prefers to be left alone so he can drink beer while watching television. Oh, wait a minute. That's the super, a sitcom that aired on ABC in 1972 and only lasted 10 episodes. Okay. All right. I'll get it right this time. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Here's the real synopsis. Louis Kritzky is a heartless slumlord who was born into money thanks to his ruthless father, Big Louis, also a slumlord. However, the tables turn on Louis when he's threatened with prison for his failure to keep up his his New York City slum up to code. The judge gives him another option, which he accepts. He must live in a vacant apartment in one of his own shoddy rundown apartment blocks until he brings it up to livable standards. 
The sentence is an effective house arrest. Louis is not allowed to leave the apartment except for routine exercise, grocery shopping, medical emergencies, and business relating to the building repairs. In addition, Louis is not authorized to make any changes to the apartment he has been assigned unless all other apartments had the same upgrade beforehand. At first, Louis is adamant that not one repair will be carried out and he will wait until his father bails him out. However, Louis has had a change of heart after meeting and getting to know the building's residents, including small-time hustler Marlon and a struggling street boy named Tito. Over time, Louis grows more sympathetic with their problems and makes amends for his greediness through actions such as donating space heaters to tenants to help them cope with the winter. Unfortunately, Big Lou, the owner of the property in title, resists his son's entreaties to spend more money to improve the tenements, leaving Louis with a choice. Do nothing so he can become the sole heir of his father's empire or stand up to his father and do the right thing. The movie here was directed by Rod Daniel, um, written by Sam Simon and co-scripted with Nora Ephron. Nora. Oh, Nora. I thought heartburn was bad. It stars Joe Pesci as Louis Kritzky, Vincent Gardenia as Big Lou, Madeline Smith Osborne as a attorney that is uh, for working for the Housing Authority, um, and that is Naomi Bessinger, who plays that. Reuben Blades as Marlon, Stacy Travis as Heather, L- little Louis's girlfriend, Carol Shelley as Irene Kritzky, his mom, and Ken Michael as Tito. So that's like two movies in a row that we've had a Jackson in. <laughs> No? Yeah, you said something about Tito last time. It was Jermaine to the situation. Jermaine. <laughs> yeah, that was, one, that was my favorite Jackson. Uh, I feel like Tito's the least talented Jackson. Tito. No? I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Okay. Now we're going to do the trailer. All right, let's go. In Goodfellas, he was a vicious thug. In Home Alone, he was a ruthless thief. In Lethal Weapon 2, he was a slimy embezzler. That was just a warm-up. In, out, in, out! See, that's how the door broke. You're supposed to go in and stay in! You want your electricity fixed move? He provides affordable housing for the underprivileged. Joe Pesci, he doesn't want your love. Get out of my Just the rent. Give me the rent! Give me the rent! Just give me the rent in my hand. Right, yeah. I'm Naomi Bensinger. You like this car, Naomi? This is my car. I'm counsel for the housing authority. Get off the car. Off the car! You know how many convictions they get? Nine. Zip. Zero. Order! I find Louis Kripsky, Jr. guilty of the charges brought before the city. I'm sentencing you to house arrest in one of the apartments of your own building, serving as the building superintendent. The super. Looks like your automobile lost a little weight. <laughs> now he's getting a taste <laughs> of his own tenement. I want to see something more than the band-aids you are currently applying to this open sore. I know how to play basketball, okay? <clears throat> how come they call you milkman? Because I killed the milkman. I ain't scared in this neighborhood, because I walk it like I'm talking, kid. Academy Award winner Joe Pesci is the super. Once you were a baby, and your mother loved you. My mother still loves me. Well, she's wrong. I resent that. 
So ironically, the trailer has a song in it that's not used in the movie at all, and it's better than any song in the movie. Mm-hmm. And one of the funniest scenes in the trailer is not in the movie. Uh, right right at the end when he's talking to the to the uh, attorney. And there's a reason for that, and we'll get to that. Oh, there's not a reason for that at all. The zero. <laughs> um, this is just... Um, this movie's a mess. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start. Um, I incorrectly said last week that this was a movie that was... Uh, done to play off of the popularity of My Cousin Vinny. This came out before My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny was late 92, early 93, I think it was. This came out in 91. And this was, even though he had been in a bunch of starring roles, this was the first time he was top billed in a movie. Um, I guess, you know, you want to get that top billing, you'll take a shot at anything once, huh? Yeah, I think so. And not that Pesci isn't talented i just feel like he was at that point in his career not quite ready to take on because you were you were in every scene every scene with him he's you you don't get a break you don't really get to learn more about the other characters in this movie so I, i feel like you start the movie out and it's it's a flashback with him and his dad um and his dad's shaking down the tenants and and being greedy and being abusive and and just generally being a slumlord Mm -hmm. but you get his voiceover you get his perspective and then you stick with him because he's the only entry entree into this world is through joe pesci right and his character right so you don't get a break from him he doesn't have i think maybe with the exception of the character of tito there's really no strong relationships where the where the conversation is balanced it's just him being kind of abusive or being hustled or or all these things so it's almost it's almost too much joe pesci no it's too much joe pesci strike the almost i think he needs a balance of of different energies and characters because he just he almost talks almost all the way through this movie there's there's you know when he's when he's talking to other people, he's he's constant. His mouth is constantly running, and it's that was that was Joe Pesci. Yeah, you know, that I know was, that. That was what they had in the movies that he had been in. Whenever he was in a scene, he was always chewing the scenery, like Home Alone or you know, yeah. Goodfellas, things like that. I, I get it. I mean, they were using they were using what they knew. Uh, on the other hand, you had a movie that was only eighty four minutes, eighty six minutes long, and. It, they didn't give you any time to develop any of the other characters. No. They were too busy trying to get you to hate him and then like him. Right. And then, yeah, and it's just, and he's he was very, he took a very strong approach to the physical, physical comedy in this, but it still was all about Joe Pesci when it, you know, when it could have been, especially if you want to go for the sentiment, which at some points in the movie it did, you need to you need to have more of those other people in there. Well, um, yeah, well, to, we, we, that, to feel for them. We both agreed on that when we were talking about this. That you don't have you don't have any reason to to like any of the other characters in the movie except that you know that this guy's got him living in a shithole. Really, really, that's right. That's, that's right. It. It's your it's a sympathy play on them because he's he's being treat they're being treated so bad. Yeah. But they don't. I mean, in some respects, they don't take it lying down. But it's still not. 
I, I wonder how it would have felt if it got, had gone a little more the way of the revenge comedy. Like they've got him in the building, so they're gonna they're gonna screw with him as much as possible. You know, without it being like a direct assault, because there's no yeah. danger in this film whatsoever. He's supposed to be in this really bad part of town, and the most that gets done to him is he gets hustled for a few dollars and they strip his Corvette. Right. Right. There's no drugs. There's no gang. There's no. Well, I think we you and I have discussed that. I think we touched on that too. I don't. I don't think that. You, I'm going to have to say that the director and the writers didn't want that because they didn't want you to have any reason to dislike anybody in this movie that was complaining about him being a slumlord. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, you're going to complain about this guy's a slumlord, but now you're a you know a gangbanger and you're out stealing women's purses. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Because at that point, you're like. In fact, the only other person that they really said anything about what they did for a living or who they were was Tito's father. Right. And they made him out to, I'm going to have to go with being a drug pusher. Yeah. Um, and the mother, the grandmother, wouldn't even let him give him a bicycle. Right. Give Tito a bicycle. Right. Other than that, I mean, we have no idea what Ruben did for a living. We had no idea what the, the elderly lady, uh, the, the, we, had, the, we, we know that the one guy was a pastor. Well, one guy was a pastor. Ruben was Ruben was a street three card Monty guy. That's what he did. He hustled people for a living. That's how he made his money. So it's not like um, completely black and white. I mean, that's how. Now, do we know that was his job, or did we just see him doing that to try and make money? And or was yeah. that just a scam that he set up to get money from Joe Pesci? See, it's hard to do because we've we've had this conversation mm-hmm. that this. This movie um, is missing a lot of pieces, and we we both kind of had that conversation where certain things, and I, I hope I don't use it because you know how you you kind of got at me, even though I was using it as, as a joke that I use trope too much. No, um, I, sometimes some of this stuff just does not feel earned, like even in the sentimentality of it. Like if you had even had, you know, a five. Or six second scene in between point A and point B, it probably could have resonated a little bit more. Right. Um, where you see the transition of of what what someone's going through. Um, but I was reading today um, that um, they really kind of were trying to get this. It looks and it feels that way. Like in the the premise of the movie is that the Joe Pesci character Kript, Kripke. Um, has or Kritsky, sorry, Kripke is from um, West Side Story. Um, <laughs> Kripke, Kripke, whatever. Um, is that little Louie um, has 120 days to get everything fixed? All the all the violations that are fixed on the building that he's living in, um, and it kind of feels like they had 120 days to get this movie made, and it feels as rushed as it probably was. Um, But one of the quotes that I got from Rod Daniel, who's the director of it, when I was doing my research, he's like, there were were so many script problems, but they had to get into filming. And he said, we could not solve the problem at the center of this movie. So we just started shooting. And you can't do that. But you get into a bubble on a movie. I mean, I gave the studio a two and a half hour cut. Can you imagine two and a half hours of the super? You'd shoot yourself in the head. So... I could have had some more substance to it. I think so. I mean, that's it. It was kind of. It didn't really want to be. And I think we've we've read it in the in the Roger Ebert review that it it kind of skated along this 
Do we want it to be sentimental? Do we want people to end up liking him at the end? Do we want him to make this 180 turnaround? It teases you with certain things. And I kind of like the idea that they have this, the, the, the public attorney who's there for the, the housing board. And he is always hitting on her, kind of leering at her, saying dirty things to her. And in any other comedy there would have been this turnaround, right? Where they would end it up together and they don't end up together in the movie. I think that's the one smart thing that this film does. Well, we have, we have to agree that the writing is probably the, the heart of the matter here. It's the issue at the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. Let, let's say this, the movie's 86 minutes long. Mm -hmm. We have a two minute scene at the beginning where they set up how his father handled his tenants. Right. We have probably a four-minute scene at the beginning during, basically, it's the credits of him um, screaming at the people, I'm not fixing anything, give me my rent. Right. We have, we have probably a five-minute scene of Marlon uh, scamming him with the three-card Monty. Right. We have at least a six or a seven maybe eight or nine or ten minutes when it's all said and done about him getting scammed on the basketball court. Right. Right. You've got five minutes you've got five minutes in the in the grocery store when he's trying to buy the food. Right. With the bread that's yep. hard as you've got ten minutes between him trying to have sex with his girlfriend Heather on the on the air quotes conjugal visit. Right. What do we just take away from that movie of the eighty six? That's what? That's at least twenty five minutes of nothing. Right. Legitimately nothing. We knew he was an ass. Look at right. look, he, we because he was. You could have had him go to two people's doors, screaming for money about how it's not broke with the rat drop rat droppings. Right. We didn't need to see him going up and down the stairs in between. It, it was it was the writing was right right, and if, I think that writing was was trying to to establish the other characters in the building, but. It wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient. You probably did not have enough what they called laughs to make the studio happy. If they're going to bill it as a right. comedy, they didn't have... Comedies now are different to me than they were then. There's a lot of... Back then, it was a comedy. It was almost like you had, we were trying to have an episode of Friends or Seinfeld where you had to take a 90-minute movie and you had to just slam one joke after another in. Now, there's a lot of movies that are considered comedies, but they're like dramedies that's not the right word but it is right. the, it dark is comedy the right. no not dark comedy satire. just just that that you have a story driven along with some funny moment this everything in the movie is not designed to try and make you laugh right this movie that's exactly what they were going for they wanted everything that happened to be funny right and well it i guess for for this type of comedy it's stronger as a slapstick than it is you know a, a punchy comedy because it yeah, there's, I just, there's no wordplay in this movie. No, well, you know they tried to, and I just don't think it suited Joe Pesci as a as a a character as an actor because there's that there's the scene that we were talking about where he's collecting the rent and he's going through, and he's he's just giving everybody a hard time. So they've got you know him talking to one of the women and the women said that they're rat droppings and he's like, oh, you really know your shit, <laughs> right? And that. You know, okay, that that sets him up good and stuff like that. But you know, there's a scene when you meet Ruben, and he's giving him a hard time, saying, "Oh, is your mom on the verge of death again?" Because he he's not obviously doesn't have the rent for him, and he's he's talking in like a Mexican accent, a fake Mexican stereotypical accent to to Ruben, which is you know mean and cruel and 
you know, showing his darker stripes, but he starts singing one song while he's talking about, you know, being happy and at least, in, you know, that he has a roof over his head and this, that, and the other thing, because he said he was saying that your people, um, I, I forget what he said, but you, you people don't appreciate stuff. And he's, I appreciate that I'm alive and I have a roof over my head. And he starts making these, like this kind of stringy songs, like almost like a violin. That's exactly what he's right? trying to do is yeah, right? playing the, the violin for but, the weep. But not two seconds later, when you're meeting the pastor character who comes in and, and speaks to Ruben, he says something about being on the other side and he starts doing another song. And it's like, just let it lie. You know, you, you've got one punch. You don't have to keep boom, 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 you know, to try to throw those funny words. And it's not, it doesn't suit Pesci, right? Pesci's like a one line, say that one line really well and you remember it. And this was not that at all. Well, your comedy was physical in this, the, the mm-hmm. moments where he was dancing, mm-hmm. you know, that was the it falls off the chair. Um, so even the way he walks yeah. in this movie, it's yeah, completely it's very, it's very, contrived. It's very, it's, very, yeah. very, very weird. Uh, you know, uh, we didn't even really come across any clips that we felt were good to use in this in this week because everything was it's 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 all visual. You know, the car. Every time they see the car, they they try and pull a laugh from it. Uh, the rat scene where he you know he wakes up and there's this you know close up of a rat. Yeah. The basketball scene is extremely visual. Um, him doing the dunking and then getting you know doing all the stuff where they win and then getting hammered down, the the restaurant or not the restaurant the the grocery store scene when you know he's talking to the guy he's like hey don't you have any you know what well, look at this bread and he lays the bread down and it's a solid bread it's, it's like it's a brick all, yeah yeah it it you're right it is it is it's very it's, physically and and that that leads into this this was Roger Ebert's review what fi- what's finally depressing about the super is that it doesn't have the nerve to be any one thing. It wants to be crude and rude, but ends with sentiment. It wants to be about whites and blacks, but it's incurious about the lives of its black characters. Right. That's not the one I wanted to read. The one I wanted to read said that uh, Joe Joe Pesci is uh, essentially all Three Stooges rolled into one in this movie. Right. Which for to, which backs up the whole physical argument. Yeah, and I I think that was almost and which really surprises me that Nora Ephron was part of this project. Because, you know, we know her for such, you know, much better writing and much better films, heartburn aside, um, that that she would be part of this because it's just, it's not smartly written. You have Sam, was it Sam Simon or Bruce? Who, Sam Simon. Si- Sam Simon, right, who's, we know from The Simpsons, was one of the, the mm-hmm. late writers of The Simpsons. Um I don't know. It just it just felt like it could like I said I turned to you at one point when we watched this and I'm like I feel like this would be much better if it were someone like Danny DeVito who could carry that smarmy self-satisfied jerk but still be charming. I don't have an issue with the acting in this movie. I I I think I kind of do, but well, you know, I've said it a thousand times. There are a lot of bad movies that have good acting in them. Mm-hmm. You can't hold an actor responsible if it's a shit movie. I mean, if he's given a turd to work with, there's nothing he can do to make it good. You can't be given the script for Heartburn and come out with Sleepless in Seattle. It just it just doesn't work. Um, I I had no issue with with the acting because I think that everybody did what they were expected and asked to do. What I would like to see is, and this is probably where Nora Ephron comes into it. I would like to see the two and a half hour 
version. Right, and, to see what and, they cut. And it might be, I might want to put an ice pick in my ear afterwards, <laughs> but maybe we get a lot more explanation and we get a lot more development and we get a lot more, yeah. we get a lot more understanding. One of the things you brought up was at the end, he's like, and Marlon's now your super. And you were like, why? What? what is he good with tools? Right. Does he have connections? Does stuff fall off trucks? For we, you have no idea. There was yeah. just so many things what that happened went down. Yeah, between point A and, and there's, point B. Exactly. There's probably a lot of things that that got cut that we not, never got to see. And you know, they left things in. They they probably they probably felt like we've got a, we've got a steaming turd. We just have to get this out at this point. And and try and make the most of the slapstick and the jokes. Well, I, I also think that I, I and it's hard to know because there's not a lot we can find out about this film. I mean, it's it's like we talked about with the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. The Adventures of Ford Fairlane was probably greenlighted by attaching dice clay to it, right? That's because probably it's a the only dice way clay they vehicle. Made, yeah. um, so I'm assuming that this whole thing and because it's a physical comedy because Pesci is so short, right? That they that they kind of banked on that instead of trying to build it into something a little bit more substantive, you know? Yeah. Um this was a remake. A very loose remake. Most movies are. Um of a nineteen seventy film called The Landlord. And that stars Bo Bridges. And he's maybe a rich young son of a millionaire, um, and he takes over a slum tenement and is completely indifferent to the problems. Right? Um, he wants to turn the building into a psychedelic gateway for his wild lifestyle, so his big bachelor pad. Um, and there's more of a romance that he develops with um, actually a couple of the tenants in the building. Um, it's a little it's it's definitely different and this i think they were taking you know what was happening in real life and was coming to the forefront and there was a lot of um in the news about slum lords just kind of not doing the exact same things that are being done here or even like worse like shutting off water shutting off power to get people to move out so they could raise rent because of rent control in new york city so I think they were just trying to leverage on this idea. Mm-hmm. I just I just didn't feel well executed. Even when you were talking about the physical comedy, when we t- talked about the the scene with the rat, and again, it's all visual. Even when you watch that scene, the way the camera comes in, you're assuming it's a rat, but it's still like the camera's not low enough, right, for you to feel that it's a rat. And when he opens his... It was a big his, rat. It was a big freaking rat, Yeah. Maybe maybe it had you know two feet long feet. Is that what you, or maybe long it was, or maybe it was legs? Splinter. <laughs> it was splinter. <laughs> <laughs> explains why he roared. Right. <laughs> that was the other thing too. That's I like th- he opens his eyes and the lion like roars like a tiger or the the rat roars like a tiger and it's like what? <laughs> I understood why they did that, but I was surprised that they used that that sound. I don't know why you'd use like a big cat sound. Yeah, you would use a cat sound if that's the way you were viewing it in your mind, but th- we hadn't been set up to see things through his eyes in that manner. Right. It was just opening his eyes. Because they set it up a little bit earlier, like his first night he's there, and he's lying on the floor, and he's in a sleeping bag, and he opens his eyes. I expected him to see a rat then and there, right? but it, it was a little bit later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... 
the plot is very it's very straightforward uh i i to go back to i'm sorry to go back to the writing just just yeah. for a second i feel like her being nor Ephron being a part of this is one of those situations where they knew that they were struggling with the script and they were like laura you've or nora you've had several big hits for us why don't you go over here and help them out you know what I mean? Maybe. And she's yeah. like, well, yeah, you could do this and we could do this and we could try this. And then, you know, still, you still don't have what you need. Sometimes, sometimes that's a situation where you just go, you know what? Crumple it up, throw it in the trash and move on. Yeah, who, who knows? That, that's, to me, that's probably what happened. I, I feel like they spent so much time on the slapstick and I don't think that they made Louie. I don't right. think, I don't think they made the Joe Pesci character out to be as bad as they wanted him to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even even at the beginning when he was like, give me the money, give me the money, give me the money. Right. The first time she showed up, he was like, you know, get off the car. Get off the car. No, he was hitting on her until she, he found out yeah, who she was. But, but he didn't know who she was. And he's like, get off the car. And he got in the car and he drives away. And he's talking to Big Lou about it like that night at dinner. And he's like, you know what, Dad? We should just fix this stuff. He was ready right there to just go ahead and do the right thing. And right. the father was like, no, 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 we don't do shit. We don't do shit. You know right, what I mean? right. So it's it's not like it's not like they had him really as the bad guy. It was they made Big Lou out as the bad guy. Yeah. Which And and you know, he didn't give a shit because he went to the Bahamas. <laughs> well, yeah, because it didn't really give he he you know, he, that's the other confusing thing, which I I feel so bad that this was his last role um, because Vincent Cartagena is... He got paid. I know, but he's so wonderful. He is. He Um, really is great. But you know what? He's like the best part of Moonstruck, right? So... Yeah. But he's... They're little birds and stars. What's um, Michael Caine? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. He takes anything. Yeah, he takes anything. And when they ask him about Jaws 3, I guess it was... The revenge. Right. He's like, yeah, that that house bought me, or that that movie bought me a house in the in the Bahamas. He doesn't care if he gets paid. You know what I mean? Right. I just I feel cheated as an audience member because I know he's so good, and I he was good in this. But movie. I kind of feel like that whole thing just wasn't set up well. Right. The the dependence on daddy. Yes. Nothing in this movie was set up. No, well. no, it wasn't. Okay. And but but I think that because that's really the heart of this whole thing, right? The reason that Joe Pesci is not going with his instinct just to fix it and get it out of his hair and not have to worry with this problem anymore is his dad. Yes. His dad is you. His philosophy in life is you buy a building and you do nothing. Right, because you start doing things, then you're going to have to do it for everybody, and then you lose out your profit. Yeah, because rent is stabilized, and that and that makes sense. That makes sense too. And we they showed the opening scene with him mm-hmm. hunt, hunting the guy down, essentially right. stalking him to get the rent money. Finds him, chases him down. Mm-hmm. No repercussions for that. If you did something like that today, you'd be sued. Oh um, yeah, you know you'd you'd you probably I mean a battery, whatever. There's several things that could go. But also, we're looking at a guy who, in the 50s, and I have to assume that that scene took place in the 50s by looking at the car, by the way they were dressed, mm-hmm. by the age of the, of the, uh, of the characters. Right. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that we're in that age. That's a guy that grew up in the 20s and the 30s. Right. When that's how business was. That's the era when unions came into play and 
you know, rights, uh, more rights were given to the people, not the businesses. So this is a guy with a mentality that is, I don't do shit. And, right. if, and if I don't do nothing, do you know what they do to me? Oh, that's right. Nothing. Right. And, and, and that's fine. That's established. But it's really that dependence of Louie Jr. or little Louie to big Louie, right? And had they made it more emotional from the get-go, like he wants to do it to make his dad proud of him, like nothing else is going to get his dad's approval, I think it would have stuck a little bit more because really this was what this was about was his father was saying, you don't change one thing. If you change one thing about that building, one thing, you are out of my will, which means you, you did because this was supposed to be his building, even though it was still Big Lou's in title. This was his first starter building. And his father has a ton of other tenements around the city. So he would have gotten all of it. He would have been heir to all of it. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't seem like a that much of a, a internal struggle for him because when he wanted to do nice things, he went ahead and did nice things. Or when he wanted to do things like, well, he just wanted to improve the electrical in his apartment, right? Which was the no-no. And I'm sure he probably would have gotten nailed for that. But as you know, as an electrician, you can't do that. You have to do the whole freaking building. You could right? you could do just his building, but I mean, to rewire that building would have been crazy. I mean, right. there's I mean, there's no way that any of that stuff got taken care of and was done in 120 days to begin with. Number oh, one, oh no, there's there's so many things. But, but to get back to what I was saying is, he as the as the younger one was okay with doing stuff to buildings because that was the way of the world at that point. Right. You know, the father was like. Pfft, and and the father didn't care because the father wasn't the one getting the summons. If the right. father would have been the one getting the summons and had been dragged to court, because he kept saying, "Oh, you know, I, I no big deal, no big the, deal, the, we'll the, handle yeah, it." I'll the get line, a good lawyer. The, the, the best line of the movie to me, one of the best lines of the movie, was when he says, "Dad, I thought you said this lawyer was really good." And he goes, "He was for his price range." <laughs> right. So it didn't even like. But if it had been him in court, he'd have had you know, what's his uh, what's his name that defended OJ. Uh, Oh yeah, you know he'd have had Johnny Cochran or right, somebody. Right, right. He'd have had a, the 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 man. So it was it was almost like Joe Pesci to me was never really made out to be a bad guy. He was just the wrong guy in the wrong situation. Right, but I think that they probably could have done more to make that dad love you know dad approve of me, dad approve of me, dad approve of me versus. He kind of felt accepted from the get go. That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my boy. But then you see him doing things that are kind of like shitty. You wouldn't do that to your kid, right? Oh yeah. And like the scene when he finally gave him the building and he wanted to give his dad a hug and he said, "I was like, whoa, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa." whoa. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it was there, but he, Pesci, and I think a lot of this is on Pesci. Pesci wasn't playing vulnerable that way, right? And it was just like even the uh, okay he, he as he's walking into the building for the first time he's like you know you got to think about the money you got to think about all those buildings you got to think about but it's still like it never it never became a stumbling block for him like it should have been there was no tension and struggle between him and the dad so that the part that builds up at the end where the dad is so desperate to not change any more things in that building right he's so frenzied about it that you're like where the frick is this coming from um that he's trying to like get his son out so he can set the roof on fire basically of this building which is crazy town well he heard the song (laughs) the roof is on fire (laughs) he's like oh they they like that (laughs) 
but that's that's just part of it, right? There 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 was not a whole lot of character building where well, where pe where where people ended up. You're like, well, how the heck did that happen? We, we can legitimately go the rest of this podcast and yep. not have to say there was no character building because we we acknowledge, and I'm not saying that to be mean to you. We there, there legitimately Why don't you was be mean to me. Oh well, because you what what. <laughs> I said, why would you be mean to I me? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to you. Lots of times, sometimes some things I say, you take them as the wrong way. Are you telling me I'm stupid? No, I would just straight up say you're <laughs> stupid. I, I thought he, we were agreeing here, yeah. so that's why I was a little yeah. like, I see, why? I see you, you, killed my, you killed my train of thought there. I have, I'm <laughs> not sure what I was trying to say. You, um, so you get mad at me when I do that to you. You tell me straight up, don't do that to me. <laughs> not yes you do no, you no. told me don't make this joke anymore because when you do it it kills my rhythm <laughs> and i stopped what the hell was i saying i don't know you want to go back and check oh okay i remember that there there's really zero character development of yep. any character in this movie the the only the only exception that i could say to that statement is joe pesci a little bit he he has he he realizes because he's he wants to do the right thing for the people. Right. He wants to. He just doesn't stand up and tell his dad until the, he almost sets the place on fire that this is my building and we're going to do it my way. Even the scene where he's given them the heaters after the after Tito caught him with a heater and nobody else had one. Right. He, he he's like, oh okay. He buys a heater. Even that scene is like, come come on, come on, dad. You know, let let me let okay, right. Come on, dad. Let me let me let me do this. He's, you know, like a like a whipped puppy. Which, right. is, which is what he was. Not until he realizes that dad could legitimately kill some people. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And that was the only time in the movie also that there was any, in my opinion, that there was any reference to like a like a these people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was always just a, you know, you don't, you don't, it was always referred to as like a landlord and a tenant. That was the only scene in the movie where you actually got that uh, the the Gardenia character felt he was super superior to these people because he had money. And that it was a very awkward scene, but I think that it was a very necessary scene as well. Yeah, I think it was, it was. And I think, but at, at some point too, it's just like, I know he feels a lot of it is, is the relationship between Louis and Tito, right? Because Tito yes. is the, I mean, aside from Ruben, but Ruben, I still don't feel very strongly that they've established too much about that. But I'm going to get to Ruben later. Um, but he he has the most time and the most real talk with Tito, right? Because Tito's the wise beyond his years. How how old was he supposed to be in that? Eight, nine? Yeah, he was. It couldn't have been much more than that. Yeah. Eight, eight or nine, six, seven, eight. Yeah. And and legit, you say the only real talk. I mean, I think it's the only talk that he has with any of the characters. Yeah, and and so there's there's you know, but still there's there's still not, I feel like there still wasn't enough to kind of build up like at at various parts when he does have some kind of interaction with Tito, it always ends with Tito giving him the stink eye or telling him to fuck off or you know. <laughs> Something like or that. The, the whole yes massa scene. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So, so something like that. Um, so, to be fair, to, to cut you off. To be fair, though, that's Tito's answer 
to everybody. He, Almost every scene, that's how he ends it. Yeah, and and that is, and, and but I just kind of feel like there there are beats missing, like in the last confrontation where you know there's he he catches Kripke with the space heater that day. It's cold in the building. I think he tells people, you know, there's one scene. I think maybe he tells somebody to move back to Africa if they're so cold or dance. You know, or that's what he says. Yeah. He says that you guys can go downstairs and warm up by dancing. But more there or less. was there was a there was a, the, uh, an article in New York Magazine when they were making this, and they were saying that that was one of the, the the alternative lines. Whether it's in the movie or not, I don't remember. But they they had some issues with that. If you want to go be so warm, move back to Africa. Um, yeah, I could see why that line would get cut. Yeah, but Pesci said that he felt that was it was totally within character and and all of that. But so you've got this confrontation. So it's the evening that he, after he catches him with the, the heater, Tito's dad shows up with a bike for him. Tito really wants the bike. Grandma's not letting him have it. So he witnesses, Louis witnesses this whole thing and goes to talk to Tito to tell him your grandma's doing the right thing. And Tito basically says, you have no... I'm paraphrasing here. You have no right to to say what's the right thing. You're just as bad as everybody else because you're. He says you're, you're just me. like my dad. You both make money off of other people's, other people's misery. misery yeah. yeah, I think I think that's actually the line. Yeah, and I'm so smart. you are smart. Well, you've got a better memory. <laughs> there that's, you go. That's fair because calling good. me smart that's not <laughs> that's not right. That's an insult to dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you you've got that and you've got that, but it's it I think it the 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 scenes if the scenes had been punctuated a little bit stronger up into that back that that last jab, even though it wasn't done out of meanness, it was just basically speaking truth to him, you know, get your head out of your ass guy and I don't want to deal with you. I'm I'm disappointed in you. That it, it just didn't feel when he was left by himself and maybe I have to watch the scene again, that it, it was enough of it for him to go and do the thing that he did the next day, which was buy everybody heaters. It just didn't feel again. Here's the magic word of the episode earned. It didn't feel a hundred percent earned as it could have been. I think there was probably some steps or beats in between that are missing that, that didn't get pulled out. It's the same thing with Ruben. Ruben's very glib with him. Ruben hustles him twice, one with the three card Monty and one with the basketball game. Now, had there had another point in that movie where an attempt to hustle him happens again and Louis suddenly gets wise to it and handles it and not in a way that's a fuck you kind of way, but in a way that's like, no, you know, to something to earn Ruben's respect. Because when he's sitting in his room and they are in a party, right, this is before the space heater thing, when they're having a party that he he invites him to the party because the night before or the week before they had had a party and he came down and yelled at everybody, right? Just shut up. And it just didn't feel like he, even though he's feeling for these people or maybe starting to like them and stuff like that, it just didn't feel enough to go from a family that wasn't quite a tight family to some family that you want to stick up for. When he came and maybe in, that's... I, I, you're right. When he came and invited him to the party, yeah, that was the after the Space Heaters. Was it after the space heater? Yes, heaters? it was. It was. Because he was in his room with the space heater on doing the crossword, and they were like, th- that, was, that was the night where they, they did the line dancing to 
to MC to Hammer. MC Hammer and things like that. Uh, that yeah, because they only had two parties. They had the one where he was trying to dance and went down there and wanted them to accept him. Right. And then he got pissed off. And then they just turned the music up louder, and he went back up. You, that was when and he then was he fell through the, the floor and ceiling. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and and then the second time was after the space heaters, where they, like you know, they had this moment of recognition to where we realize you know that you're kind of a piece of shit, but you're really a piece of shit because your dad's a bigger piece of shit, you know. But you gave a space heater, so thank you know what I mean, right? And, and there was no, you know, to me it, it was funny that the only scene that really showed him with any emotional and development at all was the the scene with Tito on the roof. Yep. It was and and there had to have been more of these scenes exactly. that got cut out. There had to have been. Yeah, because it it just kind of feels like you've got you had a it real felt so forced. Yeah. Forced is a is a perfect word for it. Okay, okay. How do we do it? Let's see. Okay, we got Joe Pesci. We got Joe Pesci. Uh, how, do, how do we make him talk? Well, let's see. What do we do? What do we, oh, 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 I know. The middle of the night, someone's screaming at somebody, and he goes out, and yeah, that's great. That's great. What if it's Tito? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Red Bulls and cocaine, and we, we, get our, we, we, get our, we get our emotional turn scene. There was no Red Bulls, and it was just the cocaine. Yeah, um. So Stephen King was involved, so what? <laughs> I just, I just feel like they, they had, they missed a real opportunity with setting his family up and the people that he thought he could depend on, you know, as something that he's, he's worked too hard to try to, to do and, and be like his dad and his dad lets him down because even the fact that, you know, his dad gets him the cut rate lawyer, let's just say it, cut, cut rate lawyer, um, they go away to the Bahamas the first week he's in this building, right? They p- could potentially be dangerous, right, for him. They don't care, and it doesn't seem to really matter to Louis, the Joe Pesci character. Doesn't seem to matter, doesn't seem to hit him, doesn't seem to make, even when his girlfriend shows up, decides this is too disgusting, she can't handle it, and she leaves. He's more frustrated and angry, but it's not like he's vulnerable. And that's what you're missing. I think he just. Him. I think he's like in shock. You're you're going to the Bahamas. He <laughs> he says it like that, right? And then uh, his father gets pissed off that she bought him the pillows. I know I didn't get that. Why were you so angry that she bought him? Pill- I'm 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 confused. You yeah. know what I mean? Because he doesn't like to spend money on anybody else but him. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't take it that way. I'm not. I, maybe it's right. I don't know. I he just got super angry, but it was like you're going to the Bahamas. He gets in the car, drives away, and. Don't do anything, but I'm not going to do anything either. Enjoy your hovel. I just ugh. yeah, and that'd have been really easy for me at that point to go. Hey, Dad, fuck you! I'm going to get some stuff. Well, here's the thing: in the landlord, in the movie, the landlord, I didn't have a whole lot of time to do a ton of research on it, and there are a bunch of scenes online. But one of the move, one of the scenes in the movie in the 1970s one with Bo, Bo Bridges, his mother, um, he asked his mother to help him decorate his apartment. I don't know what the motivation is behind it. So she shows up at the building one day with bolt of cloth and ends up talking to, um, I think it's Pearl Bailey plays one of the, the, the tenants and they end up talking and they end up drinking. Right. But she's trying to decorate. Right. So I think that they were trying to maybe speak to the character that was in the 1970s movie, trying to help him, right. Try to be comfortable and I think she would have been a really funny character because she shows these little, she has these great little moments, but they just 
don't let her do enough. Yeah, right? they, yeah. Maybe she was in forty-five of the hour uh, that got cut out. Who maybe. knows? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. It's a. Uh, it's extremely disjointed to say the least. What do you say we take a break? Okay. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. Break's over. Break is over. We are all refreshed. So I think we've sufficiently kind of dumped on this movie as much as we're going to. <laughs> so why don't I uh, whisk you away in my little time machine? Boo, 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 boo. And take you back to 1991. When is the first time that you saw this movie? Was this a movie going to the movie? Was this a rental? Oh, no, it was a rental, but uh, for sure. Um, I mean, 1991, I was in Havelock, North Carolina. Uh, I think the place, the, I think the city had three three stoplights. I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, basically, what you did on the weekend was you went to the the movie store. You did the video rental. We didn't. Have, we, there was no Blockbuster. Uh, as big as Blockbuster was in ninety ninety one, there there was no Blockbuster. It was you know Bob's Video Store, and you'd grab movies that you hadn't seen. I grabbed this one. Um, you know what I like? I like slapstick comedy. I like I like physical comedy. Um, there's a there's just this movie. I remembered certain scenes from this movie that I like that make me laugh. That made me laugh when we watched it the other night. Um, the scene there's just there's a there's a lot of things that I remember laughing at and like I said it was a movie I mean I think I bought the used copy for you know like 3 bucks cuz it was a VHS you know and you have it there and you put it in because you can only watch True Lies so many times mm-hmm. that's not true you can watch True Lies on a loop um and it just there was a lot of things that I laughed you know I I it 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 made me laugh it was a you know a happy, happy ending and it, just the jokes. I, I it was it to me. It was to after watching that the other night. It was kind of to me. It was kind of a '90s comedy. Yeah, because there was a lot of comedies in the '90s that were just okay. Meh. Yeah, I saw it. You know what I mean? Right. I don't. The '90s is a weird decade for me. There's not. I didn't care for the music. Uh, there wasn't a shitload of movies that came out that I was like super stoked about you know maybe a couple a year not like i mean not like this year where there's like 20 movies that i want to see in the theater it was just really it was just kind of a it was like a it was like a dead space because i'm like especially this time i'm coming out of high school i'm in the marine corps i things in the 80s were significantly different than things in the 90s i was not 
I was too old to be a young and I was too young to be an old and you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was just the nineties just doesn't resonate well with me when it comes to entertainment. There's a few TV shows that I like. There's a handful of, you know, some action movies, but my heroes kind of died in the nineties, you know, Schwarzenegger, his movie career kind of fell off a cliff. The same with Stallone. Because he had Last Action Hero in 1993, and that pretty much killed Schwarzenegger what, for a what long about, time. Well, how, when, when did True Lies come out? True Lies was like 93 or 94. Yeah. But it was, um, uh, I think uh, Last Action Hero was, I think it was out while I was in Japan, I think. But it was just, you know, the, the biggest thing that Step stands out about the 90s to me is, is Jurassic Park. Really, you yeah, know what I mean? that was a big one, and it just so this was just it was just kind of one of those movies. It's part of the white noise of the movies that I watched. Yeah, and it was it was it still had the feeling of an eighties comedy. Yeah, um, it was trying to do something different, like some of the nineties comedy, but it just it just wasn't going to make the mark. So, and a lot of a lot of movies were like that. A lot, there were a lot. You know, I am. I, I don't know if you're gonna if you want me to save it for my favorite moments. There, there are four or five movies moments in this movie that I absolutely love, right. and I guess when you get right down to them, they're all sight gags or they're all mm-hmm. they're all visual, yeah, or or or, or physical slapstick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I've been trying to put together movies to pick for you, right? Uh, I have been struggling for a couple weeks. I put together a, a really extensive list. Now I was looking through the internet one Saturday. I was watching the football games. I was looking through the internet and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I remember that being pretty funny. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I apologize again, everybody. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Please listen next week. It'll probably be a better movie. <laughs> um, I I think that there, it, it it's, you know, it, it's a, a bunch of different things kind of coming together to to make this a not good movie. I think it could have been a very good movie in in different hands. Um, I think I've said this about a couple of movies so far. That there's we've a lot. About. Of, there's a lot of movies that are that way. You know, I mean, yeah. really, there are. I, uh, I I go ahead. I think I think you you do have something in Pesci, but you had to maybe dial him back a little bit, right? Um, not not necessarily in the physicality of it all, but get him to shut up a little bit and, and not give him so many lines. And I'm sure a lot of that was, you know, potentially improv, mm-hmm. you know, between him and Ruben Blades and, and all that. Um, but I also think that just, I, I don't know um, if you found in your research, because usually when you're doing the, um, the box office numbers, you, you have what the, the budget was for this. It just doesn't seem like this was a very high budget movie. 22 million. 22 million. Mm-hmm. Um, because even things like the way they set gags up with sound and stuff like that just didn't feel like, you know, when you, when you watch a movie and it's done well, like a John Hughes movie, like Home Alone, the sounds that they, you know, the way that they use sound to kind of punctuate you know, the things that are happening on screen, um, specifically Home Alone, you know, both, uh, both Pesci and, and oh, who was the other guy in Home Alone? The other Robert Bandit. I can't think of his I, name. I would have known it if you hadn't asked me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when the two of them get kind of smashed and get their asses kicked and stuff like that, the music punctuates it very well and makes it funny. It, I don't think it was done well in this f- film either. And it just, it, it speaks to a lot of the films of that time. They were just trying to crank them out. I, I agree. I think, I think a lot of the shortcomings from this movie also have to do with the, with the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director has, he does not have a, 
a, a huge resume uh, behind him before this. I think the they there were three movies that I saw that they mentioned. I think the biggest one was Teen Wolf. Yeah. Um, I liked Teen Wolf. I liked Teen Wolf too. So I'm a little afraid to go back and watch Teen, it because Teen I, Wolf two or Teen Wolf. No, Teen Wolf with okay. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, okay. Um, you know what? But but that was a very early 80s movie. Uh, it could get away with its shortcomings because it was the 80s. There was a lot of movies in the 80s that you're like, oh, I love that movie. And you go back now, you go, oh my God, what a pile of... Right, so right. I don't. I think I think a lot of the shortcomings that we that we talked about that you just talked about, you know, how that not wasn't set up. That was a director's choice. That just he just he just missed the mark. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Editing, camera angles, just a lot of the yeah, things. Every little. Yeah. Well, a lot of things that you didn't pay attention to in a movie like that. I see. Like I've seen that movie. I, I, God, this is pathetic that I admit that I've seen movies this much. People, <laughs> people probably think I haven't done anything with my life. I've probably seen that movie forty or fifty times, right? At least. Um, I still remembered some of the dialogue in the, in, that we were watching it the other night. Uh, I never once thought about the fact that the camera was too high for a rat. I yeah. just, I just like, well, you know, it's as low as they can get. It's a camera, you know what I mean? They didn't have little Sony handy cams back then to make the shot with. So, it, you know, you do if you take this movie and you put it in the hands of a different director. I mean, if you give this movie to a John Hughes, is it a better movie? Probably, probably, yeah. I mean, probably because the guy's talented. He's, you know, he's he's got chops. He just sat in in Chicago. Either way, yeah. I mean, there's low rent housing there too. <laughs> I'm sure. You, you know what I mean? Um, one of the things that I wanted to address was the tomato meter score on this was a zero. Yeah. Okay. And a forty-one a, audience it's a 40, score. It's a forty-three audience. It was a 43. It's a forty-three audience still score. Lower than Saving Silverman, so we have a new low. A new low. Yeah. But you know what? I have to. I have to say this. <clears throat> I don't have a problem with critics. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I understand what they do. I understand the job. But when you give us a, a movie a zero, I'm sorry. There's there there's there's no. Do you know how bad that movie has to be in my opinion for it to give a zero? I the worst movie I have ever seen in my life mm-hmm. is a movie called Heartbeeps. Heartbeeps. That sounds familiar. It's it's um ah uh, damn it the comedian that was on Taxi uh the one that the, the, uh the Man in the Moon. What's his name? Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. He it was his first movie role. Okay. And it's they he basically plays a robot, and it is atrocious. I would still give that movie like a two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I don't like the I don't like the way Rotten Tomatoes works. I yeah. think I think that the um, tomatometer of his score. There were nine critics that reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Every critic except for one gave it two out of five. Okay. That's not a zero. No. A zero is I vomited this movie was so bad. <laughs> but I think I think there's a certain thing on on Rotten Tomatoes where the the rating kicks in after so many ratings and I don't think there's a whole lot there. There's not like enough, if yeah. you go back to the Los Angeles Times cuz we we've you know we've mentioned the Roger Ebert one which I believe it said like two stars if you look at at the page and I think it was like maybe two and a half out of five or something like that originally i'm looking at the los angeles times and it's basically saying that you know um for an essentially broad and sentimental comedy aiming at the widest crossover audience possible the super has been thoroughly thought out so that's not a bad review it's not exactly true. I, I, I was going to say, I don't think it's a real review because that guy didn't watch the movie. Yeah. And I mean, he t- keeps talking about, you know, how Joe Pesci's uh, comical as he commands a certain respect. If Big Louis passes on to him his gift for street um, incentive 
and initially reflective indifference to others, he's also made him fearless. Pineside Louis plows through the neighborhood basketball game with the confidence of a Wilt Chamberlain and pursues the impervious Bessinger with equal verve. So, yeah, that's one thing that I guess to me then didn't make every like his change of heart all that thing because he just even when he gets slammed in this movie it does you don't see him feel it you he know knows, yeah he knows he got took on right. the three card monty yeah and he knows he got scammed on the basketball court and as soon as he gives the money up he was just like well guess i guess you gotta be smarter you know what i mean right yeah, you're right. right right so it's not like he's getting so like if you put like say a tom hanks in that role there would be a big payoff. There'd be a huge, eventually something building up like, um, God, what's the, the room? Money with? pit. Money pit, right, where he just freaking snaps and loses it. God, I, I, and, I could watch that scene a hundred <laughs> times in a row, and I have. You know, because that was the kind of thing I was thinking when I was watching this. It's like you need that you need that breaking point, that real breaking point for him, and he just didn't, didn't do it. And I don't know if that's Pesci. I don't know if that's the director. I don't know what that is, but. I think the audience score of forty three is right on the money. Mm-hmm. I think that's right where it needs to be. If mm-hmm. I had to, if I went over to a friend's house and they're like, "Hey, let's watch the Super," I wouldn't tell him no. Right. But I wouldn't go somewhere and say, "Hey, let's watch the Super." <laughs> yeah, and and um and 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 it, and it gives us a new watermark now, right? Because before it was Saving Silverman was the lowest. Don't so. worry, I got some on this list that probably will beat that. So don't sweat it. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> well, you know what. You said the whole purpose of this right. was for movies that I like, that you haven't seen, right. that I appreciate. And so I'm trying to learn to appreciate them. You, you do understand You do understand how low the bar is for me to be good, right? I'm learning. I was always told <laughs> if you aim low, it's easier to... it's Aim low, because then it's easier to succeed. And I took that to heart. Oh God! So uh, you know what? Let's do let's do the box office All right. here real quick because we're um, I think we've kind of wrapped this up to mm-hmm. be completely honest with you. So it was released October fourth, nineteen ninety one. The budget, as we mentioned, was twenty two million dollars. Opening weekend, it made three point six million. It only did domestically. It did eleven million eight hundred sixty three dollars, and worldwide. It did eleven million eight hundred sixty-three dollars. <laughs> so apparently, this only got a North American release, <laughs> which I guess makes sense. Yeah, it probably is not going to translate well to a lot of foreign markets. It was one hundred and sixth uh, in nineteen ninety-one. It was. Um, it's kind of funny because um, it got beat by Ernest Scared Stupid. No man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it got That's beat by something right. right? There. <laughs> Because hey, I love me some Ernest. That movie was bad. <laughs> movie was bad. Um, uh, a Madonna Truth or Dare beat it. Uh, there was a lot of movies, a lot of movies that beat it out. Um, it did not do well. It lost twenty two million. And I want to talk about that for a minute. What did they spend twenty two million dollars on in this movie? That's a good question. Um, was the basketball player in this movie anyone? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I don't recognize him, but I am not. You know what I mean, right? I, 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 we, I, we, you know what? Maybe we can look it up. All right, let's look that up. Let's look it up. Uh, I'm right here on the IMDb DP page, and uh, hold on. I'm. You know what? This was one of the few the few movies that we've looked at that the trivia. Mm-hmm. There was nothing for the trivia either. Zero. It was really really bad. Absolutely zero. Um, the only thing that I thought was funny was in he's in the when he's in the grocery store and he says, "What am I a mirage?" 
he does say that in Goodfellas as well. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. Um, here we got. Yeah, it, if he was, I, I'm not seeing it. Uh, I'm not seeing the milkman anywhere. So, milkman, milkman, milkman. You guys are listening to me, vamp. Milkman, milkman, <laughs> milkman, milkman. <laughs> I mean, Todd Monti- Montiero. If he was, he's a nobody. Okay, basketball player. Okay. I thought that was a stupid line. Why do they call you the milkman? Because I killed the milkman. What? I don't. What? What does that have to do with him being tall? I was right. always, I was confused. Twenty-two million dollars. I mean, I gotta figure that Joe Pesci made five or six. You gotta figure he made at least five or six, right? Right. The director's t- gonna take a couple. Mm-hmm. What the hell did they spend the rest on? I don't know. Food, stunts, clothes. Mm-hmm. They yeah, had to rip, maybe, rip maybe apart a car sets, and then have yeah. a Corvette and all that stuff. They had they had Louis Vuitton bags. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did buy good, a lot of space eaters. 10 grand right there and a lot of space eaters, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Vincent uh, Gardini actually got a good payday out of that. Who knows? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you had a couple of big names in there, but nobody that was over the top crazy. Uh, the biggest movie that year was uh, Home Alone or Terminator, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Number two was I can't see it because my webpage has screwed up. That's fantastic. Gee whiz. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. So that's a funny story right there. It's a that's a that was a big soundtrack, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Well that was a big movie too. I said to you, I said, I can't believe that Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, you the, said me. I did. Was the second <laughs> biggest movie of the year because I saw it and I hated it, even though I love Mel Brooks. And you're like, I've never seen it. And I'm saying, I can't believe it made 165 million dollars <laughs> because it didn't. It's that like the Apple Robin Pie Hood. movies. <laughs> that was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Ironically, number three that year was Home Alone, which Joe Pesci was in. So, mm. Silence of the Lambs, City Slickers. Oh yeah. Um, there were some big movies that year, uh, but you know, box office was was pretty rough. So, yeah. So basically, because I found this at the last minute, it was a New York um, magazine article on Joe Pesci and all the things that he's done, and you know, getting respect. And they're they're doing the interview the last week of shooting for the Super. And at the end of the article, he says, "If the movie comes out bad," he jokes off camera, "I'm going to blame the director, but if it looks great, I'm going to take the credit. It's about time." So, anyway. I mean, what actor doesn't? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean uh-huh. never, once, never once did I hear, uh, oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, it's all the, it's all, thank, thank the director. The director was really, he really nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no actor ever goes, yeah, it wasn't me at all. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? What? Do you have questions? I do have questions. All right. Okay, so you have the, what, they were supposed to be in Brooklyn or the Bronx or wherever they are, right? They're in a city somewhere. So his girlfriend comes to visit. She gets out of the taxi, and they got to walk up five flights of stairs. Uh Uh-huh. And she's in the apartment for, what, five minutes? That whole scene where he's trying to get her to drink and relax so they can, you know, have a little conjugal visit, quote-unquote. And she can't deal with it anymore. She takes off. She goes running down five flights of stairs and jumps into an awaiting taxi. 
you don't get taxis that even. I don't care where you are in oh. New York City. You don't get taxis that easily. <laughs> no, she she waved. She hailed it. It wasn't waiting. She yeah, hailed it, and it, right. it pulled up. But yeah, they needed they needed her to have the ability to make a quick getaway. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, yeah, they kind of because sure. everybody was kind of leering at her and stuff like that. So I guess you had to feel a little bit more I safe want, for her. I want to know how the alarm was going off in the car. <laughs> Because that thing was stripped clean. Yeah, there was no battery or there anything. There was no so, upholstery. Yeah. It was <laughs> down to the bones, man. Uh, I don't really have any questions. There's not enough in this. There's not no, enough in this there's, that I can... there's really not enough. Um, you, know. Let's, you know what? We didn't address it. Let's address the ending. Yes. Because we did talk about that a couple that times. That ending is so weird to me. That ending is the epitome of a 90s comedy looking for one last joke that they don't have to explain. Right, right. I brought I brought that up. You're like, oh my God. I said, it's the exact same thing as the end of Major Pain when he's got them all in formation and they've got the blind kid and he's got the dog. He shaves the dog in a way and the movie's over, right? Yeah, but at least that's a callback to him shaving everybody else. So a, a that bit, makes but, sense. Yeah, uh, but a blind kid. They they So basically the end of the movie is they, they have this respect for each other now that Kripke has has done Krip, Krip, Kripsky, Kripke. <laughs> I'm gonna say it a hundred times. <laughs> it's almost like another K word that yeah. I'm not gonna mention. <laughs> he he gets he gets uh uh he he has this rapport with the, with the people now. They respect him. He respects them. Right. Uh, he appoints a super. He walks out to his walks out on the street, and there's his car. And they're like, oh, he's like, where'd you get the parts? And Marlon's like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes you just gotta know the right people. Right. He gets in the car, drives away. And then this big, huge black man who they, I think that what they're wanting you to, to assume is that he has, and I'm going to air quotes this, street cred. Right. Meaning that he's got some muscle behind him. Right. Well, hey, who took my car? And they all point at... at um, down the street. At, at, down the road yeah, to, cri- to Kripke. At Lou, as it's in the street. And he's like, that mother... Right, right. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? Because why would... They care about this guy now. Right, right. Well, like, I, it kind of shows that they don't. Like, there's there's respect, but they don't care about him, right? Which is kind of back to what I was saying. Like, if it, if it was, and, and I guess some critics have applauded this for not going into its full-on sentimentality, and others, it just feels like it's, for me as a viewer, it feels not complete. I mean, that's right? Grand Theft Auto. Right, and then the part that you didn't mention is after Kripke goes away, or whatever his name is, uh, Little Louie, let's call him Little Louie, um, the, there's, a ton, there's a ton of people out in the street to see him off, and those people clear out, and you still see the bare bones of his original car, so now you know it's somebody else's car, and then this guy comes out. My assumption is, and your assumption as well, is this guy who because he's just out of nowhere who is he uh-huh um we're gonna assume that this is some of the the part of the movie that didn't make it that maybe he's the bad guy in the neighborhood or maybe he's got that car like that because he's been selling drugs and maybe he's you know a little bit because it it is it's completely like why would they fuck that guy over yeah. for this guy because it still feels like they're screwing little louie over because now well, of course yeah that's grand theft auto right now he gets in a car that's not his, and right. he uses his keys to start it up and drive away. Well, you know, all Corvettes are the same. Yeah, sure they are. <laughs> or whatever. Was, was that a Corvette or was that a Camaro? It was a Corvette. Corvette. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Other than that, I don't I don't have anything else to uh, Yeah, I don't. What were your three favorite moments? Um, 
Lots to think about on this one. I laughed. You know what? I think in just in general, the way that they had him made up, because he had to be wearing a wig at some point, because he had this like a little mop really, top look really to him. It was obvious at points, wasn't it? It, it was very Trumpian. It was very <laughs> like, because back then, younger Donald Trump was kind of him and dad were making the news because they did own a bunch of slums and they were doing a lot of things, even in Manhattan, to try to push rent controlled people out. So I don't know if they were trying to call his image in the, into that. But even the way he, his body didn't look normal. He looked like, like he, he was hunched over. He, and... he was slow. Yeah, he was a little slouchy. He walked really weird, like almost this really so, weird. So that agitated. was the funniest part of the movie. Yeah, it was okay. because you're watching it, going, "What the hell's going on?" It was funny, but you know, it's so. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, because he definitely doesn't. He definitely doesn't hunch over like that. And no, had, normally a short man pants, wouldn't do that. Yeah. And his pants literally came up to his nipples. They yeah, really did. Did you notice that? They were that? very clowny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, clowny, baggy pants. Yeah, because I mean, the, even in the in the movies that you see him in, they, they, that's not what he looks like. He didn't look like that in My Cousin Vinny or no, Casino or No, he's very well stuff. groomed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's one. Let me think of something else that I did laugh about. You're supposed to have the answers to these before we sit down. Yeah, you know, and I put the headset on, and then it, it's they fly right out. Just go. Movie wasn't that bad. Fly away. <laughs> um, him dancing's actually kind of funny. I guess they actually called in the New Yorker or New York uh, magazine article. They called the little dance he does the Louis. Nice. Yeah. The t- 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 with his feet yeah yeah that little that was kind of funny like a cat on a freshly cleaned tile floor yeah and uh oh god there was something else that made me laugh out loud i can't think of what it was have anything to do with the car i don't think it was the car i just think it was I guess it just wasn't all that memorable. Why don't you go and, and maybe I'll think about it. All right, my third favorite is when he's in the is the exchange between him and the grocer keeper. Yeah. Um, about the peanut butter and jelly. Well, the peanut butter, uh, the bread is literally a brick. Mm-hmm. Um, you want alcohol in it? That's what we got. Uh, but when he, you know who that guy is, right? No, who is he? That's the in coming to America. He was the bigger guy that always announced the king and the queen. Oh, He's really? your king. That guy? <laughs> okay, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. yeah that, that's the character. That's pretty funny. Yeah, but when he says, come here, and they lean down, and he goes, because we don't have too many fussy white pricks like you in here, and he goes, oh, yeah, okay. The look on his face is perfect. It, that that yeah. look kills me. <laughs> Number two is probably... Uh, it has to, it has to do with the car. The first time he sees the car, not that his car got jacked up, jacked because you knew that was going to happen. It's when he walked over and he put his hands on and the alarm went off. I th- I thought that was hysterical, but the best part of that movie and is and always will be when he's in his room trying to amuse himself and he opens up that can of tennis balls and he throws a tennis ball to bounce it off the wall and it hits the wall and it just goes it's spongy sticks, yeah. sticks in the wall. I don't know what you would have to do for a wall. 
in real life, I know that it's just special effects. For a wall to be that spongy and not fall off of the studs, right. I, just absolutely cracks me up. Oh, that's a tie for right after he gives away, right after he gives away the heaters, and he's having that moment with the the, the lawyer, and he goes. You want to come up to my room and keep me warm? Nothing weird first time, man on top, because you're not expecting it. Because he just had this moment where he's this great guy and he turns right back into a pig again. Yeah, yeah. He did, there's there's a lot of that with 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 her, um, the lawyer. God, she looks so much like Tina Fey. Didn't she, she remind you of Tina Fey? She does. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that probably I laughed out loud when he when she's leaning on the car and she starts talking to him and she's getting ready to serve him papers and he finds out who she is and he's like, get off the car. Get off the car. Get <laughs> off the car. All right, I won't make you pick a third one. Uh, would you watch this again? I might watch this again just to make sure that I didn't like misjudge the movie, but I'm I'm not I'm not watching this again in Anytime soon. I think I think you got this movie. Exactly okay, I I nailed exactly it. I nailed it. it. Yeah. Um. And nailed I feel it. I feel bad because if I'd have realized it was that bad, I would have I would have picked had to Surprise. pick something different. But you know what? Hey, you know what? There's gonna be some swings and misses, and there's yeah. There's a lot of movies that we that we like that we go back and watch, and we're like, you know what? Not what I really wanted it to be anymore. So yeah. So good enough. Okay. All right. So um, what am I gonna get to watch? Uh, I thought long and hard about oh, this. You see, you had this look <laughs> on your face when I asked you earlier. If 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 you make me watch a goddamn Buster Keaton movie, we're getting a divorce. No, no Buster Keaton, no Buster Keaton. But I, I think we need to get out of the '90s. So out of the '90s, we go. I think we need to go away from comedy. Uh, so how many people get shot? <laughs> people get killed, but there's no bang bang shoot 'em up. Okay. Um, oh. We're gonna go into thriller, like the Michael Jackson video. Sweet. No. Oh no. I I I really hesitate, but I think this is gonna make for a good conversation. Although you're probably gonna hate me for picking this movie. I think we need to go with Gillian Friends' Gone Girl. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You know, sometimes there are movies that we haven't seen for a reason. <laughs> you liked that movie? Um, the first time I saw it, it really shook me. Um, and there's there's a lot to it that's unsettling because of some of the the way that you have a villain set up in this movie. This is the one with MPH in it, right? Yeah. 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 You, you sure you don't want to watch something different? No, I think we I got lots of movies out there. I know. Oh, man. I just think that this is a... There's a lot to this movie, and so I think that there's... You know, there, I walked away from it feeling very frustrated, confused, but I'm kind of... That's... Analyze it a little bit more, and so that's, that's I think we can... That's incredibly fucked. I walked away from it feeling dirty and confused. But I, I really want dirty. you to watch it. <laughs> I didn't say dirty. I was it was unsettling a little bit and stuff like that. But I think it's an interesting twist. Um, you know, it's a Dave Fincher movie. Gillian uh, Gillian Flynn's a good author and she's very good at screenwriting. So, uh, all right. Sorry. Uh. 
Besides, I gotta, I gotta have one that you hate, so you know you don't feel so bad, right? No, that's right. not what this is about. You said. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I mean, I guess I'll see you next week if I don't slip my wrists. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're gonna go have a meatball sub. Um, <laughs> and that might be the best thing of my week. <laughs> So, um, we are setting up, we actually, um, next month we, we may have, um, one or two guests, uh, coming in. We're, we're kind of work with, um, uh, you heard their, their promo before, uh, Joe and, uh, and one, uh, from One Movie Punch and his wife, the One Movie Spouse, Amy. Um, they're currently trying to choose a movie for us to, to watch. So hopefully we'll, um, have that for you next month. Um, our friend. Friends. I got a dollar that says they don't pick Gone Girl. <laughs> I swear to God, if he picks the new Lady in the Tramp, I'm going to be so upset. Um, and then we've also uh, had a conversation with a friend of ours who has picked a delightful little film for us to to watch. So no, you can't. You can't give that one away yet. No, you I'm not going to give it away. away. You're going to love. I'm in. I know that I am in just by the title alone. So we'll we'll reveal that a little bit later once we get that scheduled. So God, I hate you, Sarah. <laughs> so uh, you know, if you uh, if you have any thoughts or ideas or any movies you want us to to look into or have any thoughts about the show um check us out on social media we are at honey watch this on instagram and on twitter uh we do have a facebook page as well um you can give me a shout out at t5ff underscore angel on twitter or marketing underscore angel on instagram i am gbishop72 i'm probably going to start an instagram here Pretty quick because uh, you are. Yeah, I think so. How I think, exciting! I think that would be cool to have an Instagram when we go to Vegas. Oh yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be neat. Yeah. So, uh, just so you guys know, um, <clears throat> my feelings for the rest of the week are: I'm about to throw <laughs> up this nice meal I just ate. Uh, uh, uh. Oh God! You, um, if you want to uh, tell a friend about us, we uh, can be found anywhere you can find podcasts. And if you would please, 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 uh, if you are on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, we would appreciate it. But not the Gone Girl episode. <laughs> oh, I think the Gone Girl episode is going to be interesting. You gotta shake it up a little bit, baby. I'm so sorry. Sorry. You know what's going to piss me off even more? I'm sorry. What? If the, I me- watch if this the meatballs movie, are I actually like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was fantastic. I slipped my wrist for nothing. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>